Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, we're going to say a farewell to Moses and also reflect on our own lives so that we can live them well. Deuteronomy 34 and Psalm 90. I'll be reading both from the New King James Version and the ESV Version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. So looking at your life right now, would you say that you are thoughtful about how you're living? Or would you say that maybe you're very busy and you are kind of just doing everything that you know you have to do, not really thinking about what you should be doing or about the future? When my husband was in Afghanistan, I had one child in elementary school and one child that had just started junior high. And I would say that year, I was just surviving. I was only home one evening out of the whole week. I was teaching two nights a week. We had ball games and practices the other nights of, week, nights of the week. We had ball games and practices the other nights of the week. And then we had to do homework and get everything done during the day that we needed to do. And I just was making sure that I could get everything done in a day. That's all my real goal was. And I don't know how much I was really teaching my kids. I know I wasn't thinking about the future at all. Honestly, I wish that was the only time that that happened to me. But I have done that a lot of times in my life. And maybe you have done that also. Maybe you're doing that right now. But today, I want us to talk about how short our lives are because we don't want to waste them. We don't want to be just going through the motions. We don't want to be just trying to survive. We don't want to look back at the end of our time with our kids living at home or at the end of our lives and say, I wish I had more time. There's so many things I wanted to do that I didn't do. Specifically for me, I know that when my kids were close to graduation, close to moving out of my house, I was kind of panicking, you know, did I prepare them to move out and do this life on their own without me? there every minute. I should have been thinking about that way before now. And I'm just hoping that I've done enough, right? And I just don't want to be in that situation at the very end of my life where I'm thinking, man, I wish I had done more. And then especially with the Lord, am I doing what he wants me to do? Is what I'm doing here on this earth going to matter for him? Or am I just going through the motions? Am I too busy to do the things that 
are actually important. And so these are the things that we're going to look at today as we reflect on Moses's life. And then as we read one of the songs that he wrote and reflect on our own. So this is the very last chapter of Deuteronomy. It's the end of Moses's life. So this is Deuteronomy 34. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. And it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all of the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows where his grave is to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim and his natural vigor was not diminished. The children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land. And by that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. So after his little bit of encouragement to them and the blessings that he gave them, then Moses left and he climbs Mount Nebo, which is in the Abiram mountain range. We talked about that um, in the last study when God told him he was about to die and, and go up to this mountain. And the peak of this mountain is called Pisgah. And so he is on the top of this mountain, which is directly across from Jericho, which is the city that they will conquer first whenever they enter the land. So he's standing across from that very first city and God is showing him the land. I thought that was so interesting. He's not just standing up there on the mountain, looking out onto the land. God is showing it to him and you can tell how he's going through it in a very detailed manner because he's saying, you know, um, this is the land of Gilead as far as Dan. Dan is one of the tribes of Israel. So this is going to be Dan's land. And then this is going to be Ephraim's land. And this is going to be Manasseh's land. And the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea. So he's getting to see this, the sea the south, the plains, the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm trees, all of these things Moses is getting to see. When the 
spies entered the land. There were 12 of those spies and they entered the land and they brought back a cluster of grapes that was so large it had to be carried on a pole between two men. And they told him that indeed this land was luscious and abundant as God had told them. But Moses never seen the land himself. And so God is showing him, look, this is beautiful land. This is what I promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to give to their descendants. And those people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they did get to see the land. But then Jacob went into Egypt with his 12 sons. And so those were the last people that got to see it. The 12 tribes of Israel, the original sons, they saw that land and they're it. And it's been nearly 500 years since God promised this land to Abraham. And None of the people that were born in Egypt got to see this land. And Moses was one of those people born in Egypt. And so God is showing him, this is the beautiful land that I've been telling you about, that I've been preparing for y'all this entire time. And the promise is about to be fulfilled in these people that you've been leading all of this time. And so God's just showing it to him. And not only is he showing him what the land looks like, but he's saying, this is where this person's going to live. This is where this person's going to live. And Moses is getting to see what their land will look like and how they will be blessed, each one of them separately in this land. And so how wonderful is it that God shows him that? And then it says, after God shows him the land, he dies and God himself buries Moses. And it says no one knows where Moses's grave is. Presumably this is because they don't want anyone to build a shrine to Moses because he was their leader for all of these years, the most revered leader and prophet that they had had. And so God wants them to focus their eyes on him and not on Moses. And so he buries him himself. How sweet that is. And then it says that Moses was 120 years old and his health was still good and his eyesight was still good. So he wasn't dying because he was too old. His body was breaking down. He was dying now because his time had come. He had sinned by not presenting God as holy to the people. And so he wasn't going to get to continue to lead the people into the land. His time had come. And so he died there on the mountain. And then God himself buried him and the people mourned for him for 30 days. And then they prepared to enter the promised land. And Moses had laid hands on Joshua and given him the spirit of the Lord. And so Joshua was about to lead them into the promised land. But it says that there's never been a leader in Israel like Moses until Jesus. So what a wonderful life that Moses had. And we just want to pay tribute to him. We've spent five chapters of the Bible reading the words that he wrote. And four of those chapters have been his life. And so today we want to we want to look back on his life and how wonderful it was. And 
I specifically just was thinking about how wonderful his death was, how gracious God was to him at the end of his life. The greatest death that I could think of would be this death that Moses got because he got to say farewell to all of his people. He got to bless them each individually before he left. I hope I get to say goodbye to the people that I love and give them some parting words, each of them individually. And so if I live a good long life, the only thing I'll be missing is whatever happens after I'm gone. I won't get to know how everything turns out for those that I leave behind. But Moses gets to see that too. And I think that's just so wonderful that God gave that to Moses. It just seems so sweet. He takes him up on the mountain and he gets to see this is where this person's going to live and this is where this person's going to live and this is how their life is going to turn out. And if God were to show that to me, say, you know, this is how your son's life is going to turn out. This is where he's going to live and raise his family and have his business. This is where your daughter is going to live and raise her family and work and have a joyous, blessed life. Even if he told me that things were going to be hard for them, if I could know some of the good things that are going to happen after I'm gone and see even the children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren that I'm not going to get to see, that would be so wonderful. And God gives that to Moses. You know, he doesn't get to see their children, but he gets to see where they're going to live and where they're going to flourish. And he gets to know that they're going to have blessings there. And he gets to see a bit of the blessings that they're going to have before they even get them. And so how wonderful it, it would be to be able to have that. And then for Moses to be able to say, you know, I don't get to go into that land. And that is sad, just like I won't get to be in that future that I'm missing out on. Because just like Moses, there will be a time that all of us will go. That is just the nature of this life. We will not live forever here. And so it's sad that we will die one day and we will miss out on something that's happening here. But for Moses to know, I've prepared the people just as well as I can. I've God has given me the way for them to live well in this new land. God has instructed me on their government, on their religious life, on how they need to live amongst each other. And I've delivered that to them. I've prepared them for that as much as I possibly can. And also, I'm leaving them in good hands. I've prepared Joshua, and I've anointed Joshua, and I know that Joshua hears the word of the Lord, and that he will follow God, and he will lead the people well. And so I'm leaving them in good hands. And that is what we all need to be doing as we are living on this earth. We need to know that we've lived this life well, that we are leaving our children and our grandchildren and maybe our business and, and whatever it is that we have built on this earth, that we're leaving it in good hands. 
that the things that we've done in this life matter, that they're important, that hopefully they're going to be lasting, that when we die, this isn't it for the people that we love, that they will, that something we've done has mattered to them. And even if it doesn't matter to a wider, broader part of this world. And hopefully we have touched even more than just our immediate families. Hopefully something we have done matters to those that we've encountered and it'll carry on. And so I think that's what this next song that Moses wrote in Psalm 90 think that's what this what that's about is to get us to reflect on our lives a little bit and say you know are you going to be able to look back at your life if you live a good long life are you going to be able to look back and say i did something that mattered to the people that are here and more importantly i did what god wanted me to do here everything that he had in mind for my life I accomplished. I I made every minute count. I wasn't just going through the motions and I wasn't just trying to survive. I was doing the things that mattered to God and to man. So that's what the rest of this lesson is going to be is Psalm 90. Now, before I read it, I want to tell you every commentary I read because of the content of this tells us that this was written in some point where the Israelites were under some sort of punishment. They had sinned and God was upset with them. We know that from the content. And so we presume that this was a wilderness psalm, possibly written right after the first generation of Israelites refused to go into the promised land. We're not exactly sure, but it probably wasn't written at the very end of Moses's life because at the end of his life, he's looking forward into the hope. But at this moment, there, things are hard. And so just keep that in mind as we're reading. I'm going to read the whole Psalm. It's only 17 verses. So, and this is from the ESV version. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth and ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that's renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. And in the evening, it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we're dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. 
who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Return, our Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to your children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So Moses started this song just like he did the last one that we did a couple of podcasts ago by talking about who God is. And he says again, you have been our dwelling place, but not only ours, but everybody's for all generations since the beginning of time, since the earth began, since before you made the mountains and before you formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so our dwelling place, again, this is our safety, our shelter, our permanent and stable place to be, right? His steady, unchanging, constant presence brings us peace and security and comfort and rest. And that's the picture he's trying to paint, is that you've given us all of those things. So God always has been and always will be. We, on the other hand, we only live a short time on this earth. One day, we will return to dust, just like Adam. Just like God gave Adam that curse, from dust you were formed and to dust you will return. He says that's the same thing for us. He says that first in verse three when he says, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. But then also in verse seven through nine, he talks about how we're brought to an end by God's anger and by his wrath because God's seen all of our sins. Our days pass away under his wrath. And I think the reason he's saying that is he's trying to show that all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because we have all been born of Adam. And so we all experience the curse of Adam, which is that we will return to dust. And so he's just saying, because we are sinners, we don't live on this earth forever. Not because he's trying to say God hates all of us and he kills us all because he's mad at us. He's just saying this is the nature of life now because we sinned. We have inherited death. And then in verses four to six, he just talks about how short our lives are to God, how compared to God, our time here on earth is nothing. Now, some have used this verse and also another verse in the New Testament where this is quoted that we'll read in a little bit to say that a day isn't really a day. A day could be a thousand years. We don't really know how long a day was. 
And that's why this earth can be billions and billions of years old or whatever the case may be. That's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is that when you live for eternity, a hundred years isn't anything. The first time that my husband was deployed, our daughter was four years old. And he said, Courtney, it's just a year. It's not that long. And I said, well, that is a fourth of her life. To her, that's a very long time, right? And honestly, to me, that was a long time too. But looking back, I can see a year that's not very long. And if I live to be 100 years old, that will have only been 1% of my life, right? But if I'm four, it's 25%. That's a lot different. And that's what he's saying is that when you're an eternal being, then someone's life, 70, 80 years, is like 1,000 years is to God. That's the same thing he's trying to say, saying, or like, you know, four hours in the night, that's a watch in the night, or like a dream, just in the amount of time that you could sleep. Like the grass grows and is vibrant in the morning and then it wilts in the evenings. It's just a passage of time. It doesn't, it's not very long. Saying to God, our lives don't last very long. But then also to us, they don't last very long, right? In verse 10, he says, the years of our life are 70 or maybe 80 if we're lucky, right? They're not very long. And, you know, for us, if we happen to be in that moment where we're just going through the motions, at that moment, it may feel long. That's what he's saying in the end of verse 10. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. It feels at the moment like our days are long and hard. But then he says, but then they're soon gone and we fly away. And so what he's trying to say is it may feel like at the moment that everything is long and hard, but it'll go quicker than you think. So don't get caught up in those moments where it just feels like you just got to get all of this stuff done because it's not going to be long until they're gone. And he goes on in verse 11 to say, so who really thinks about that? Do you think about that? Do you think about how short your life is? Do you consider the power of God? Do you fear him? Are you mindful of how short your time is here on this earth? at the moment? Are you thinking about that in your day-to-day -day life, knowing that we don't aren't going to be here for very long? Are you living your life for God? Are you fearing Him enough to follow Him? Psalm 111.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right after he says, do you fear God? He says, God, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. And so if we want to be wise, we need to realize how short our lives are and fear God and obey him. That's what that's saying there. We need God 
to remind us of how short our lives are so that we'll spend our time here wisely so that we will follow him and do what he asks. You know, that day when our life ends, we will meet him and we'll answer for all the things that we've done here on this earth. Are we prepared for that? Are we thinking about that? Not only our legacy that we leave here, but how that will affect eternity. Are we thinking about that? Are we thinking about that day that we will meet our Father in heaven and give account for the things done here? In Romans 14, 9 to 12, it says, For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. This is biblical. We will answer for how we've spent our time here. Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who must give account. God sees everything we're doing here. If we're not being aware we're not paying attention to the things that we're doing right now and how they're going to affect us later on. God is. So we need to be also. And then in Revelation 20, 11 to 15, God is allowing John to see what's going on in heaven. And John says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in these books according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we need to be mindful of the things that we're doing here on this earth so that when we have to give account of them to the Lord, we can say, I followed you. And God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is what we're striving for. And every moment that we are here on this earth, everything that we're doing, that needs to be in our minds. If God is watching what we're doing right now, would he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Consider him and fear him. That's what we need to be doing.
And then in verse 13, it says, Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have been evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to your children. Let the favor of the Lord your God be upon us and establish the work of our hands on us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And so Moses is asking for God's mercy. He says, how long are you going to be angry with us? Please have mercy on us, God. Satisfy us with your steadfast love. Let it be that as many years as you are punishing us, that you will bless us at least that many more years. Give us favor. We need you so much, God. Please be near us. That's what Moses is saying. And then at the end of that, he says, establish the work of our hands. Help us do what you want us to do so that we can please you, so that our life does matter. Every single thing that we do, establish it for you. Enable us to work here for you. Enable us to do things here on this earth that matter, that are lasting, that are important to you and to the people that we'll be leaving behind. Establish the work of our hands this day, God. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in us for us to want to do what he wants for us to do. And he helps us do it. That's what this verse is saying. For his good pleasure. And so we have to be mindful of every single thing that we're doing so that we can please him. And then we need to ask him, please help us. Please remind us how short our lives are. And please help us do everything that would be pleasing to you. Life is so short and we are sinful people. And so we need God's mercy. We need God's patience. We need God's love. We need his forgiveness. We need his restoration, right? We need all of these things from him. So Psalm 90 was both a prayer to God, asking him for these things, saying, God, our lives are so short. Please be merciful to us. Please give us as many days of good as you've given us punishment. Please give us these things, God. So it was a prayer to him. And then it was a song for us so that we could learn to number our days so that we could remember how short our lives are and be mindful of everything that we're doing here, making every minute count because they are so short. We have absolutely no idea how long we have on this earth. You know, you hear sometimes, if this was your last day, if you knew this was your last day, what would you do? And we don't know. It could be. It could be our last day here. In Luke 12, 
Jesus gives this parable and he says, you know, there was this man and he had a lot of things. And he said, I'm going to build a barn for all of my things. And then in verse 20, God says to him, full, this night your soul will be required of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose are they going to be? So basically God's saying, yeah, you don't have that much time. And then in verse 21, he says, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and not riches towards God. That's what we want to do. If we lay up treasures for ourselves on this earth, there may not be any more time to lay up treasures for God. And so he says, your better bet is to spend your time here on this earth laying up riches towards God. You know, sometimes we just do whatever we want, totally disregarding God, especially when you're young. You might think, oh, I have time to be responsible later. Oh, I'll go to church later. I'll read my Bible later. I'll do what God wants me to do later. But right now, I'm just going to live it up. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. And we don't know if later is ever going to come. We may not have time to do what we want to do later. So we need to do it now while we have the time. Also, we don't know how much misery we can store up for ourselves here on this earth by doing things that we want to do. And so even if we do have a lot of time on this earth, do we really want to spend it doing what we want and then facing the consequences of our sin in that? Or do we want to spend that time following the Lord and enjoying his presence, dwelling in his presence so that we can have all of those things that Moses talked about before, safety and comfort and peace and rest in him, right? And then not only that, but we owe it to God. He deserves our obedience and we deserve his wrath when we rebel. That's what Moses was saying too, right? We deserve that. That's why we need God to teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. In Psalm 103.10, it says, He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. We deserve so much more hardship than we get here on this earth. And so if God loves us that much, shouldn't we follow him? Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We only have life because of him. When we live according to our own ways, we are earning death. So why not follow him early, follow him long? 2 Timothy 1, 9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. If he has given us a holy calling, shouldn't we live according to that? Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You know, thankfully, we serve a God that wants a relationship with us, that wants us to dwell in his presence here on earth and eventually in eternity. And he made a way 
for us to be reconciled to him even when we were in our sin. Jesus was willing to lay down his life for us so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive mercy. That was God's grace towards us. That's how he shows his favor to his people. He does all of this because he knows our lives are short and he wants us to spend as much time with him as we possibly can. And so he sent Jesus so that we can live in his presence all of our days here on this earth. He doesn't want us to suffer the consequences of our sin here on this earth. He also doesn't want any of us to die in our sinful state without being covered by the blood of his son, right? Just to reiterate this, I want to read you the first 11 verses of Romans 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Just look at all of that right there. Don't you want that early? Don't you want to be justified? Have peace? Have grace with him? Hope? Experience his glory? These are all the things that we get whenever we follow him. Whenever we're spending time with him here on this earth. Verse 3, not only that, but we can also glory in our tribulations knowing that our tribulations produce perseverance and our perseverance produces character and our character produces hope. This is a hope that doesn't disappoint us, it says, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still sinners without any strength to save ourselves in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, somebody might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So he's like, if while we were sinners, Jesus was willing to die for us, then now that we are reconciled to him, how much more shall we be saved? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. There's peace between us. We no more have to experience God's wrath here on this earth if we have given our lives over to his son, Jesus. If we have allowed Jesus to be our savior, then we don't experience God's wrath here on this earth anymore. We don't have to suffer the consequences of going our own way. So why wouldn't we turn our lives over to him early? God knows how short our lives are. And he wants us to spend them with him. And not only that, he wants us to spend eternity with him. 
Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9. This is where he also quotes the thousand years is like a day part. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord isn't slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all will reach repentance. He wants us all to spend our lives here with him and to spend eternity with him. That is when we will fully experience what it's like to dwell in his presence. We'll experience his safety, his security, his rest, his comfort, joy in his presence. Here on this earth, we only get a taste. But don't we want it? Don't we want to experience as much of him for as long as we can? We choose him in this life, then he will choose us in the next. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before the Father who is in heaven. So don't forget how short your life is. Love God. Follow him all the days of your life. From this moment forward, Make a conscious effort. Pay attention to what you're doing. Make sure you're following not only his commands, but also his will for your life. Make sure that what you are doing today matters. It's important that it matters to men and that it matters to God. What we're doing here today isn't going to be lasting, isn't going to benefit those that we're around and our Lord that we will live with forever, then maybe it needs to be reevaluated. Just because we follow God on this earth doesn't mean that we will have a perfect, wonderful, easy life. But at least if we are following him, we won't be suffering the consequences of our own actions. So at least we know that our life will be good in that sense. And then we can definitively know that we will enjoy blessings for eternity if we are following God. He loves us so much that he was willing to die for us even while we were in our sin. And so shouldn't we follow him? Shouldn't we love him in return? He deserves it and it's good for us too. His ways are good and right and it is good and right. We follow them all the days of our life. So as we look back on Moses's life, thought it was probably fitting for us to reflect on our own before we get to the end. Pay attention to the things that we're doing so we don't get to the end and think, oh man, there was so much more that I wanted to do or I didn't 
do what I should have done for my family, for the Lord, for the people that I was around every day, and for God's kingdom. We don't want to get to the end and think those things. So this has reminded me not to go through the motions and to be mindful of everything that I'm doing. And so I hope that it's done the same thing for you. On the next podcast, we're going to start the book of Joshua, where the Israelites prepare and then go into the promised land. There's a lot of encouragement in this. So I hope that you'll stay with me so that you can see what God has to say to each one of us through this experience that the Israelites are about to go through. Just to make sure that you do get every single podcast, make sure you subscribe. And then if you'd like this written study with some extra scriptures, go to Substack, subscribe to it, $6 a month, $60 a year, and you can get four of these lessons written, sent to your email every week so that you can go through these at your own pace or with friends or Bible study groups. You can go through these lessons together. So that's an option for you too. Hope that this has been an encouragement to you today and I'll see you back next week. Thanks and have a good day.